Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. As always, we come to you from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. And today we bring you a pick em profile for the Oregon Ducks coming off of what was a really fun, exciting 10 and 3 season. Dan Lanning with a pretty dang successful first season with the Ducks. Alan, welcome back in. How are you today? I'm doing well, man. I'm ready to talk about these Ducks and what is, so I've studied it. It's going to be a great year in the Pac-12. It's going to be worth staying up for some of these games. Last season, Oregon performed much ahead of some expectations, finishing 5-2 and two straight up in the confidence pick They had a perfectly balanced side when you look across at the ATS. On the negative side, they went 2-5 and five there. So seven appearances for the Ducks a year ago. What we have is a team that not only returns a head coach and Dan Lanning for his second season, but Bo Nix made something of a surprise return coming back as well. Alan, as we look at this team, what stands out to you from 2022 and what went down with the Ducks with a blowout in their first game and then a lot of wins there on out? That's what I was about to say. This team really showed a great amount of resilience. I mean, everyone in the world was making fun of Bo Nix after the way they lost and took that big L. And Dan Lanning even, you know, that was something that it had much more to do with Georgia than it had to do with Oregon. I think obviously we all saw that with Georgia just running the table. But they bounced back really well, gave themselves multiple shots to be in the playoff conversation, but just couldn't get it done losing to a really good Oregon State team in week 13. We saw them early, and then we saw them late. In the middle of the season, there was a lot going on where a lot of teams that were fairly easy wins. But, I mean, they took care of business to their credit. And this is a team that's poised to potentially score a lot of points this year. Definitely the case. The offense was what it was known for a year ago. I highlight when we look back at 2022, the three-game stretch where things really kind of fell apart. It really wasn't even, I think falling apart's a little bit of a harsh term, but just after so many wins and like you said, putting themselves at least in the discussion for the college football playoff, to me, I look back and remember the Bo Nix ankle injury because that really impacted them late. They ended up losing on their home field to Washington 37-34. The next week they happened to win at Utah 20 to 17 and then on the road again 
They lost at Oregon State 38-34 in another really, really tight game. That was all in three consecutive weeks. And before that, they only had one loss. Of course, it was the blowout to Georgia. But this team was really positioned very, very well until Bo Nix, if I remember correctly, did tweak his ankle in that Washington game that ultimately ended up being a loss and where they lost two of three late. Otherwise, we could have seen this team in the Pac-12 championship and really contending, like you said, for a college football playoff spot. Everybody was going back and forth thinking, okay, is this going to be a USC team or is, you know, potentially Oregon going to slide in there this year? I think there are more teams in the conversation, but it really is unfortunate how it kind of just slipped away. Their last three games were decided by 10 points. Actually, if you include the bowl game, it was decided by 11 points. They played insanely tight games and they ended up going two and two in those it could have been a totally different story. This is a team that I think is poised to be a good team again. You already mentioned that you expect them to score a lot of points. So because they do have something of an expectation that they're going to be very good offensively, I agree with you. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball and look at them there. They do have one major change with offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham leaving to become the head coach at Arizona State. Replacing him is UTSA offensive coordinator Will Stein. So a similar system coming in. Alan, we've already talked about Bo Nix coming back. What are some of the expectations that you have? I know you think they're going to score a lot of points, but what's your basis for that as we look ahead to 2023? Well, of course, it starts and ends with Bo Nix, but you've got Bucky Irving, which one, maybe best name in college football. I love the guy named Bucky Irving, but Bucky is really, really good. He was third in the Pac-12 in rushing yards last year and yards for carry. This is a really good guy that transferred from Minnesota a couple of years ago, but he's the dude, right? He's explosive. I could see him doing very well. They've got Troy Franklin who can stretch the field. Anytime you have a senior quarterback, or in this case, a super senior quarterback with the backfield, with an offensive line that you would imagine they're going to be pretty tough. We don't know a ton about them, but they lost an offensive tackle and a center but those were late round guys. Those are guys that Lanning is going to be able to replace. I just see this being a team that's going to be able to score with anybody. And as we talked about, that wasn't their problem last year. They ranked in the top 20 in every single important category. It was surprisingly defense under Dan Lanning that let them down last year. Yep. Thank you for the recap. And thank you for the reminder that I skipped over the NFL draft picks for this team because we did see six players leave for the NFL. We saw a cornerback Christian Gonzalez go in the first round, 17th pick overall. We saw a number of guys on the defensive side of the ball with an edge and DJ Johnson going in the third round, a linebacker and Noah Sewell going in the fifth round, a defensive tackle and Jordan Riley going in the seventh round. And like you mentioned, a couple of offensive linemen going in the sixth and seventh round each there. So something of an impact there that is a lot of guys going off to the NFL, but not a lot of high round picks. That's something that I tend to pay attention to an awful lot, but I'm with you on the offensive side of the ball, I think there is an awful lot returning. I like Bo Nix. I like Bucky Irving. I think Noah Whittington is a great back to have as well. That should be one of the best duos in the country. You mentioned Troy Franklin at wide receiver. Chris Hudson was pretty good a year ago. Tight end Terrence Ferguson was good a year ago. Basically, I think this team has one of the best collection of weapons in the country. You know, they're not a group that just is completely intimidating. It's not like they've got absolute stars and freaks all over the place, but they've got 
really good to really solid players kind of at every position as far as weapons go. And Bo Nick certainly stepped up his play a year ago. So I think they're going to be just as good, if not better, this year. And having Will Stein at offensive coordinator, he runs what is a pretty similar system in his past at UTSA. I just think that this offense should be humming pretty early and often as they get going in 2023. Very, very much so. And I think they can take a step forward defensively as well. They bring in Jordan Birch from South Carolina to rush the passers. Been a little underwhelming, but they added five transfers to that defense, three of which were from the SEC, and all of them are slated to start. So Dan Lanning meant business and was going to upgrade depth and upgrade athleticism and ability to take care of some of these teams and maybe not let some of these games slip away. I believe the thinking is that Jordan Birch is going to be a big-time contributor for this team. He was a five-star talent that went to South Carolina, transferred in in the offseason. He was never overly productive at South Carolina, but it sounds like from what I've heard coming out of Oregon that they believe they've got something there, and I believe it's expected that he's going to be a starter for them. That could be a big deal. They bring in Ole Miss defensive back Tysheem Johnson. They bring in Alabama cornerback Kyrie Jackson. They bring in Fresno State safety Evan Williams, a bunch of guys that have started and gotten a lot of playing time at a lot of places. So, I think those are good pieces to bring in. As you talked about it, it's on the side of the ball that wasn't good a year ago. And as we talk about what these units could be, I think we very much we're looking at an offense that is going to be very, very good. It should be one of the best in all of college football. We go to the Great. defensive side of the ball, and I think there's still questions. I think there's possibly some good spots where they're making some improvements, but I think a bad turnout would be very much the same type of defense we saw this past season. You know, it struggles in certain areas. Last year it was against the pass. They were pretty good against the run, but overall it wasn't a great defense. I think we could have that same result, or this unit could take a step forward because they bring back some key pieces and bring in some key transfers. It could really help them out. So I think optimistically looking at Oregon, this could be a very, very well-balanced team and one to think about as we get into looking at schedules and that kind of thing, thinking about what they're going to produce coming back. We know the offense is going to produce, and then it's just a matter of can the defense step up its game. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But all of this has to be within context too. You know, I think this team is going to be good. It probably improved from last year, but I, I really don't know win wise, if it's going to matter all that much. The top of the pack 12 is very, very good this year. Washington, USC, Utah, and Oregon state are all really good teams. In fact, the magazine that you and I look through and that kind of stuff, Lindy's picked Oregon fifth in the league. I don't know that I've got them going that low, but this is a team that can be really good, can be improved. But unlike as we've previewed teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, the record may not show it because their schedule is really hard including a game at Texas Tech this year, who's going to be a pretty good team. They've got at Washington, at Utah, they host USC, and then they host Oregon State. This is a team that their schedule is not as easy as it was in previous years. Yeah, it is definitely a difficult schedule. There's an awful lot of teams inside the Pac-12 that look 
like they're going to be big time contenders in that conference. We could have one or two of them be true contenders for the college football playoff. It's something that we have rarely been able to say in the college football playoff era, and it really makes the Pac-12 a fascinating conference this year. I think one of the better conferences to look at, knowing that we're going to have really good competition, knowing that we're going to have really good teams, and it could make for some really difficult projections when we get down to these weeks because we know we're going to have a lot of tight, high-scoring games in some of these matchups with some of the top teams in that league. Very much so, which is one of the reasons last year they went 9-3 and three in the regular season and then won the ball game in a pretty wild fashion over North Carolina. I've got them right in that same vein. Their floor, I think, is high. I've got them at 9-3 and three as their floor, but I've got their ceiling at 10-2 and two, most likely. Is there a scenario that they get to 11-1? and one? Sure, but I'm just not convinced with the quality of opponents they have to play that many people get through that unless you're a juggernaut at 11-1. and one. I feel like there's going to be two games in there that they end up dropping. So I think most likely that's what you see them at is 10-2 and two going into a bowl game with the chance to win the 11th game. It is certainly a possibility. I think that I look at this in a similar fashion to you, but I'm going to be a little bit more harsh on the Ducks. I think that if the defense does not improve an awful lot, you could just see this team in a lot of shootouts. And because the schedule is so difficult, I think that brings up the possibility they could have a worse record than last year, even though they could be a comparable or slightly better team. So when I look at the toughest games on the schedule, you already brought this up. You face in the second half of the season a game at Washington in Week 7, a game at Utah in Week 9. You have to host Southern Cal, who could be the best team in the conference. I don't really know. It's hard for me to differentiate between kind of Washington, Oregon, and Southern Cal. I think those are probably your top teams in the conference, but Utah's right up there at the top of the league as well. I think there's going to be a lot of tough games. You also, like you said, have to host Oregon State on Friday night, the last week of the season, and that game at Texas Tech is pretty sneaky as well. So I'm actually going to put the low-end projection for Oregon at 8-4. and four. Again, I don't think that's very likely to happen, but I think if the defense isn't very good and you end up having a tough time winning what I say is three difficult road tests at Texas Tech, Washington and at Utah, I think there's a world where they could lose two of those. And I think they could lose to Southern Cal and I think they could drop one somewhere else. So I think there is a chance they could go eight and four, but that is the absolute low end for me. I do think there is a chance that this team goes 11 and one. Like you said, you kind of have it as a possibility though. You don't think it's very realistic. It is absolutely. I think the high end, I think if you look at Oregon dropping either the game at Washington or on our home field against Southern Cal, I think they could possibly win all these other ones. Cause I think a lot of these games, or toss-ups. Frankly, I don't think there's any one that I can mark down as an absolute loss, but it does mean that there's a lot of games that fit into the toss-up category for me or a step just below that where I'm favoring Oregon, but it's also a losable game. So I think that there is an 11-1 possibility out there where they're going to the Pac-12 championship and have a chance to go to the college football playoff. But I'm similar to you that I think it's most likely that this team falls in the 10-2 and two range, possibly 9-3 and three if the schedule just gives them difficulty as they go along the way. But all that said, I do think this could be an improved team that possibly finishes 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. Very much. And it's a team that I think we're going to see a lot this year, which means that we'll be talking about them this time next year because I see them with a lot of big-time games, as we've already talked about, that Week 2 game at Texas Tech, I think we will see them. I even think because of how much 
effort primetime has put in on making Colorado legit. I think we see them again in week four. We definitely see them week seven against Washington. We see them at Utah week eight, USC week 11, week 13, Oregon State. Well, that I take that back. Oregon State game's a Friday night game. So they may end up doing that, but may not. But regardless, this is a team we see a lot this year. So be ready to pick them. And a trend that you will get to ready to see as we cover more Pac-12 teams. We have Oregon here today. We also have a Southern Cal episode coming up. The Pac-12 has done itself what possibly could be a disservice. All these schedules are backloaded. Get ready to see teams like Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah, all facing each other in the second half of the season. It's going to make for a dramatic finish. It's going to make for a lot of exciting games late, but it's going to mean some of these teams are taking losses late in the season as well. So I'm with you. I think we absolutely see this team in the second half at Washington, at Utah, and Southern Cal. Those are the three for me that I'll highlight automatically. I think because we have seen a little bit of a change up in the tendency with ESPN to give us some games other than on Saturdays late in the season, there's maybe a chance we see them against Oregon State on Friday just to enhance that rivalry weekend feel that we get late in the season just because there aren't all that games that end up on that Saturday that week. But I think at least three in the second half of the season. There's also a Washington State game that could be there in week eight. That's a fourth one or a fifth one in the second half, depending on how you look at that Oregon State game on Friday, the 24th. And then, like you said, in the first half, I think we'll see them at least once at Texas Tech feels like a definite. And uh, you mentioned Colorado as well. I hope for the sake of the potential of seeing Colorado a couple of times that they show well early in the season and don't get their doors completely blown off by TCU. I think that would enhance the chances that we see them in week four, but I'm following right along with you. I think there is a chance we do see that matchup there as well. So I think that we probably see this team at least five times during the regular season. I think it could be more than that, just depending on how ESPN fluctuates, you know, what they tend to do week to week, but it's going to be a team that we see all often and uh, one that you are going to want to get very, very familiar with. Very much so. I can't wait to watch this team and those matchups, dude. Absolutely. One other thing that I'll mention with this team, we kind of skipped over this one part of the roster, but if you followed rosters closely, I think there'd be a little bit of a temptation to think this team could be weak on the offensive line because they returned so little from what they've had the last couple of seasons. But they do have Josh Connerly expected to play at left tackle. He was a top-end recruit a couple of years ago. They bring in Junior Angolau from Texas. He started a ton of games for the Longhorns over there. They bring in a right tackle transfer from Rhode Island, Ajane Cornelius. I believe he is the guy that was really highly sought after from around the country from about every program who was looking for tackle help. So I tend to believe that Oregon's going to be pretty good on the offensive line as well, which is going to help them distribute the ball from Bo Nix to all these weapons as well. I just think, man, I think this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch on the offensive side of the ball. And if they can step up at all defensively, it means that we are going to see them an awful lot in the pick'em contest, which we already expect. And it could be a better end where they are winning a bunch of games and have themselves in contention late for the Pac-12, possibly even the college football playoff. I love it, man. All right. We have more episodes coming your way with these pick and profiles. 
Next week, we have a paid episode dropping on Monday. That'll be in the form of the TCU Horned Frogs. And then this time next week, we will have another free episode on any of our free channels to pick up the podcast. That is with your Tennessee Volunteers, Alan Denton. So a lot more to come. Should be a blast. And uh, can't wait to get these things continuing on as we pick up more previews for the 2023 college football season. Let's go, man. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.